audience, thank you for coming. Please, take a seat. Master will be with you shortly. And please, enjoy the all-October Halloween. Good evening, everybody. I'm Mystery Matt, and you're listening to this all-October Halloween Spotlight Podcast special. Say that ten times fast, I dare you. Anyways, this evening we are covering something kind of creepy. We are covering demonology. This evening I'm joined by Colleen, Nancy, and everybody's favorite Peter, right? Hi, y'all. Hello. Hello. So, I know Chris wanted to be on, like, angels slash demons, but I even mentioned to him that this is, like, it is angels slash demons, kind of like when we covered the Nephilim, it's all tied in together, and I let him know that it was still not down probably the, you know, path that he was thinking for, like, you know, heavenly angels and guardian angels and stuff like that because this kind of topic goes a lot deeper than just uh, what's on you oh, know the, the fairy tales and stuff like that did you want to say something oh, okay no you... <laughs> <laughs> get Good the point. mic going ladies get the mic going oh, sorry. yeah stretch it out make it all stringy and stuff like that iron man doesn't mind being upside down uh, if you're trying to get the reference uh at home uh there's two teeny tiny superheroes hanging on to the um, cords of the microphone. They've been there since like the third podcast. One of them is Spider-Man and the other one's Iron Man and they just kind of hang on our mics. But yeah, so that's the, that's what that's for. Um, I don't know where we want to start. First, I want to give a big thank you to Mr. Mythos who has provided us with a lot of information. Um, this is where I get a lot of, uh, my sources specifically for this topic. Um, he literally has hours and hours of content that take you down any number of different rabbit holes. So I hope to even tag him in this podcast so that he knows that, you know, his word is even going further than just his own mouth. Anyways, um, so I don't know where we want to start, I guess. Does somebody want to explain what a demon is, first of all? That's a big question, right? So that's why I don't want to tackle it first, because I know I might be slightly different. But uh, first off, I don't want to use the word demon, right? Because I want to take it out of the religious realm, right? What we refer to as demons exist in all culture and all religions across the globe. What we really need to be looking at is a non-human, non-living, incorporeal, entity that for lack of a better phrase in my opinion feeds off of either good or negative energy in living things and can take over and possess both living things and physical things as a resident race as a dwelling but to in any way envision them as humanoid or of human nature or to think anything about them to anthropomorphize them in any way, shape, or form is just wrong because they're completely outside of the realm of anything that ever was or will be living from our point of view, right? So it fills in a lot of gaps, right? Not only demons, we've got the Onis in the East. Um, 
the whole uh, Shintoism point of view of both good and bad kami spirits, right? And again, the fact that the key element there is that they can be either good or bad. But again, I know that I'm not necessarily the most popular perspective on what I would call a demon, but it is, in my opinion, one that should be brought up. Um, I've also heard it... Um, the word demon derives from the word daemon, and a daemon itself was not necessarily evil or chaotic or want to watch the world burn. Some of them actually helped out in a lot of ways. So, so yeah, it even kind of changes the name that everybody's used to. You know, oh, a demon, oh, that's got to be a bad thing. Well, not always. Well, that's what, because I think we watched the same. It's Is it mythos or mythos? Mythos. Yeah. So I think we watched the same the same YouTube video because he does talk about that. That I've watched all of his YouTube videos. Oh wow! Yeah, that he said that they weren't negative, but they were bad. They were good, bad, and even neutral. Over time, they took a negative meaning, blaming demons for death, disease, mental illness, uh, and that kind of thing. But, it, but but again, right? We're giving it a cultural description, right? And, and using the word daemon, which is derived, I believe, from either Greek or Roman. Right, um, but the the same value is equatable to the, the jinn, right? Which you know, and are both good, neutral, and evil. Um, when you come to the onis, the onis are not all evil. Some of them are good, and some of them are neutral. Um, and uh, again, with the uh, Shintoist spirits, we have the same thing. So again, we're we're taking a word in our language. And the problem with that particular word, be it daemon or demon, is that it's overwritten with a whole lot of Western religious thought that is cluttering the argument, right, as to what these creatures really are. So I went down through most of the different cultures and religions in that. There is actually, demons are a very specific type. Demons, jinn are not demons. Um, That's maybe Western people watching shows think that. But the Islamic religion has their own form of a demon called a div. Each culture does make a very big differentiation between what is a demon and what is not. Many things that in Western culture we decide to call demons because it's easier are actually considered by the original cultures as spirits. The Oni are actually not generally considered a demon. Um, And demons, uh, through their definition, actually do generally have a corporeal form. They have their own body. Uh, they can possess others, they can take over. They but, can play the fiddle. Yeah, but they do have their own body, and many cultures throughout history actually do have a description of what their demons look like. Their demons are not the same as ghosts or spirits or whatever, and in some cultures, the demons are, they don't care either way. Some are malevolent, some are benign, but a demon is something different. A demon is a a spiritual being on a higher plane, like a celestial being. They're like demigods. Yes. They're what the actually definition of it is, is they are considered the lesser God, the, the lesser God that is not worthy to be worshiped. And, and again, right. That's one of my biggest arguments. Even when we, when when you start talking about celestials and comparing Godhood, you've now entered the realm of religion. Right. And the truth is, in my opinion, that these are not creatures so much of a religion order as much as that creatures that we as human beings have have come to understand their differences from us 
as being something divine or diabolical. The and I think what it is is though the concept of demonology, which is the the science, the belief, the teachings that deal with demons, and it conclude can include the features such as their name, their classification, the hierarchy, the history, the background, all the different information on that. This has been around for thousands of years. They like they even go back to the earliest texts we have from Mesopotamia. They exist in all of the there. Where the big difference comes is in the monotheistic religions. The demons often take on a more negative context than they do in the polytheistic religions or the traditional folklore, folklore tellings. Well, in the Western monotheistic religions, it's because they're <coughs> divided. There are angels and there are demons, right? But the truth of it is, going from my logic, both are the same entity, only one is feeding in a different way off of good experiences and good emotions as opposed to negative and violent emotions. The only problem I would have with that is that, so, for example... Demons are most often described as fallen angels, making them the same essential race. And yes, they I would say they do feed off of different energies. However, Satan or uh, Lucifer, uh, when with his angelic name, um, he actually is the deity of music, which is why you see him you know, with the, the fiddle story and, and things of that nature is because he's actually the one in charge of um, music. And and that's why they say if you look into the music industry and people selling their souls in the music industry, um, a lot of that shows up. That, yeah, they, you know. So do we want to, the, the history of demons is very complex extremely complex. Do you want to go on some of that, Nancy? Um, so I went down to the Christianity rabbit hole. Um, and the, like the Christian perspective is that they were fallen angels. And the, um, same thing that happened with Lucifer happened with, 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 uh, the demons. And the way that Mr. Sorry, I'm going to say it wrong. Mythos. My mythos says is there the classifications in the hierarchy is very similar to how you would classify angels. Uh, except there's more, there seems to be more uh, information on that than there is on demonology. But he also compared demonology uh, to zoology. Which is... The study of animals. Oh, okay. And so the, the classifications of animals is similar to like the classifications <coughs> of um, of demons. <laughs> okay. I was just wondering what some of the classes were on it. They, It is interesting. They are. And what's amazing is. They're like is, different choirs like with the yeah, angels. And what, what I found fascinating going down this is there have been multiple grimoires. Yes. The grimoires, uh, which I guess they're the the books that relate this information there have been multiple ones written throughout the ages that are very complex very like these things are full of information people have spent ages studying this and researching well it wasn't alistair crowley into that fair bit 
Uh, Alistair Crowley used some, yes, he used some of them and then, you know, established, uh, was Alistair, was Al- I get I, Alistair Crowley confused. Was he the one who established the Church of Satan or what was he? I get him confused. He, he was the cult name. leader. He was the cult leader. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, he actually supposedly tried to uh, summon a demon before passing away. Well, many of the grimoires will give information on how to summon them, how to control them. You know, do not do. (laughs) Absolutely not. Don't try this at home. You could break the planet. This is not a do. This is not a try at home. So what I thought was interesting is he talked about um, King Solomon and King James. And King Solomon, sorry, King James has, he wrote his dissertation in 1597 and he had four classes and he classed them similar to zoology, where like you're in a bird class if you fly, you're yeah. in a fish class if you if if it, you live in water, kind of thing. So the classification was so there was a spectra, and the spe- spectra's haunt haunts a house or a solitary place, like a ghost or a poltergeist. Then there was the obsession type, which wreaks havoc during or wreaks havoc with a single person. Um, and there was a possession type, which is different because they would enter a person wreak havoc from the inside where an obsession wreaks havoc from the outside and then they talked about fairies uh, and a fairy presents himself physically to interact with humans and so the way that that I understand is that a demon is not necessarily they don't necessarily have a physical um, body they just kind of manifest in whichever way they want you to see so they will manifest in whichever way would promote whatever goal they're trying to achieve where's patty she'd be right down this alley you know from last week yeah um but there was also i thought was really interesting is they talked about arch demons and i think this was king solomon possibly the that he had classification where he had that they were the seven princes of hell and they're linked to the seven deadly sins do you have them named and can you say them all? Oh, yes. Colleen does. Um, so number one was Lucifer, and he's linked with pride, which is interesting because the more that I looked into that, um, Lucifer was, like you said, he was a creative in music, but he was very beautiful. And so he became prideful and boastful, and that's where he's linked with pride. Uh, Leviathan is envy. Sathanos is wrath. I could read my own writing. That'd be great. <laughs> Belphegar is sloth. Memon is greed. Uh, Beelzebub, gluttony. And Asmodeus, lust. And there are a couple other ones, depending on which lists you're going through. But there usually is always seven. Just a couple of them fall off and new ones come in. Yeah. Um, Belial, I believe, is one. Um, oh. Oddly enough, Diablo, the video game, covers the most that I know. You know, if you're if you're to go down that road. But yeah, not all of those ones are legit either. If you're looking at it from a Christian point of view, one of the things Satan slash Lucifer is, is very prolific. And he's had a lot of demon kids, right? And the divine right of kings passes from him to all of his children, right? But yes, you know, his first breeding brood was how the arch demons. Well, apparently how they've procreated um, is it's the uh, incubus and succubus. 
And so oh, a incubus, a story. sorry, let me, yeah. yeah, so so basically what they're saying is a species of demon known as an incubi, which is, would take a male form, and a succubi takes a female form, and they are <laughs> basically like, it's a temptation through seduction. Um, and so they will show in forms of extreme attraction. So what this, what Mr. Mythos said was that a succubi would take a female, so the female form would have sex with a human male, then take the sperm from the human male, turn into a incubi, which is a male form, and use the sperm of the male, the human male, to impregnate the female. And that's how they created their offspring. And that's from the book of Genesis. And it also states that uh, when it's in neither form, when it's in neither form. Book seven. Which book? No, which book of Genesis? Because it's not in Genesis. Genesis talks about the fall of Lucifer, and then there are references but it to different talk demons. About the breeding of, of the devils in there. That that is someone who's reading into what the Bible actually says. Yeah. At that point in time, I really got to start questioning. The, the, give me the passage because I'm familiar with Genesis and I'm familiar with the Bible, and I'm yeah, short of the fall, right? Well, most of the lore on the demons was created. After the fact, like they extended, they used some books that were had, I guess that they found earlier on that maybe we've lost now, but a lot of it happened in about the first and second century. Enoch had a bit, didn't it? Oh, Enoch had a bit. Um, the Judaic texts also had some in them. Um, these are all the Western religions, right? The Western well, religions are Islam. The Western religions are Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. But at the moment, they that's... they all based upon that. So King Solomon, King James were both talking about as a matter of fact Lilith who who according to Judas Judaic tradition is the first demon <clears throat> and she births the incubi and succubi right oh they're all her children but so so again it's it's being viewed at <coughs> from a western philosophical point of view and well yes I understand that these things were being written and that they were written but as as modern men when do we begin to look at our own myths as myths and try to see the science or the further understanding we can gain by seeing the science beyond the myth? I can accept the myth. So The myth is great. I believe, though, at this time, we're actually, we are talking about the, the Western religion's viewpoint of it. There are other ones, but it makes sense to describe the different types. Just because one group says one thing and one group says another, it doesn't mean one should be discounted or one should be taken over you can choose what you want to believe but they each are interesting to talk about it it also plays into what i mentioned last week about how uh aliens and spirits might be the same thing how do we know that some of these malevolent beings aren't actually beings from another dimension that are messing with things and the entire story of the bible is just how those beings that had better powers than we did you know, which was why we would call them gods, right? If they can shoot lightning from their hand and all this kind of stuff, then they've got to be better than us, right? But if you look, we've got laser beams, we've got Tesla coils, we we can do some of those things now. You know, we still can't make a flying car, what the heck? But, yeah, you know, oh, it better be coming. But again, again, even talking Christian or any other religion, right? King Solomon is not just writing that book, but he's also writing that book from the point of view of a bias. 
He's writing that book from the point of view of the people he's writing it for and the religion that he is practicing and the country that he is ruling, right? King James, again, is defining that, is writing that Bible not <coughs> purely as a straight translation. He is actually taking a lot of his writings and he's adding and augmenting to them to support his point of view. And that's, and that's where, where it becomes ruffled because when we take these things as fact, we then begin to forget the fact that there are other biases and things at work in all of these religious writings. Whether I go to Confucius, Taoism, Christianity, Hinduism, it doesn't matter. Even if I go to a pygmy religion, there's background in their struggle for life which has made them paint things in a certain way. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're all that different. Well, I, I'm just going to, like, I think that when it comes to demons, we don't have a book written by a demon as no. to everything going on. So all we have to go by are the books we do have, the information we do have. Yeah. So yeah. we can take a look at it. We can examine it. We we're can not, we're not find dis- it interesting. We're not disputing know? on yeah. whether or not it, it's true or not it, or or the biases of the people who've wrote it because every time something is written, it has a certain yeah. bias of some sort. Uh, we're just covering uh, the stories based within the biases. Yeah. And they're very... They're fascinating to read and it shows... Really, it, it is a it is a big ball of wax, and and it is tricky to do in just one podcast, right? Like barely skimming the surface of this thing. But either way, I found when know. I was coming across, like a lot of it really reflected on the people of the time and the things like that. At one point, you know, <laughs> demons were believed. Uh, if you were sick with tuberculosis, it was because of a demon. You know, if your house burned down, that was a demon at work. You know. I find that fascinating. Even when somebody sneezes, what do we say? We say bless you because the the folklore for it is that, you know, like your spirit's leaving your body. So you say bless you and it hops right back in. And um, even um, spilling the salt, you're supposed to throw it over your shoulder. Yep. yep. Or Things whenever like you that. shake salt, you're supposed to throw it over your shoulder. So it's it's fascinating to see how our perceptions and our our thoughts have changed on these. Like right now, when you, when you get sick with a cold, you don't go to an exorcist, at least in the in many countries. Um, but you know, fifteen hundred years ago, you would have. It's fascinating. But in the movie, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, right? That it is a great movie, and it, yeah. one one of the best things about the movie is the fact that in itself. It documents both the myth. If you believe in demonology and if you're going in that route as, as a religious route, everything the priest does is correct. However, going in modern times and viewing it as mental illness, everything the psychiatrists are doing are also correct. And in both ways, they mirror each other. So which is right? It's all in what, it's, uh, it's all in what you believe. Because if you don't believe in God, then an exorcism is not going to work for you. Because you don't believe it. And that's the same thing as when people talk about however, manifestation. However, if you're going to manifest something and you believe it, then it's going to happen because you're going to work towards getting that goal. But at the same time, if you do not believe in God, you therefore do not believe in demons. So the demon is powerless against you because it can't affect you because you have no belief. It's in the belief that uh, the power is first resided. Yes and no. Because, I mean, things can happen. So, like... In a house, if if I'm in a house and, like, lights are flickering, doors are opening and closing by themselves, you tend to, you know, you're like, hmm, what's going on? 
And and again, even if you don't believe, I have seen people become believers because of what they've seen. And that is one of the aspects of, and I'm using quotation marks, uh, demons, is the fact that they can even go, they can attack the non-believer. And they can attack the non-believer, but they must do it in subtle ways. And in somewhere else, there's also someone on the outside that they're also, also, also gaining energy from. And therefore, it's through that energy that they're gaining from the secondary person that they're able to manifest. So first they'll manifest little things. And then for the true skeptic, they've got enough power that they've manifest voices or whatever creaking to the believer. And then to the skeptic, they've now gained enough power where they're taking the chair and whipping it across the room and the skeptic's going, all right, I believe now. And keynote there, I believe now. Now I've opened the door, right? But when you just still look at the chair flying across the room and go, God, that was a draft. He still can't get in. The door is still closed, right? So first off, the only way any demon can impact you is by opening the door. And that is you, an action you yourself take, be it whether on a religious basis or as a belief basis, right? So we're pretty safe. And even if we believe, right, the key there is to go, oh, it's a demon trying to get in me. I'm going to close that door, right, and ignore it. The moment I give it credibility, yeah. it now has the gaining more and more energy to manifest stronger and stronger and then create the environment for, and again, on quotation marks, because of the emotion that it wants to feed off, be it fear, be it anger. Rage is probably one of the most powerful ones that I've ever, when I've experienced what demons, I've ever seen them want to use the most, <coughs> right? Because rage is so easy to start to work on a person individually, especially if there's any belief coupled with doubt. Well, themselves. anger is a primary emotion. Yeah. Well, it's usually the primal emotions that these creatures want to feed off. Wow. So, you know, and I know there, there are other people out there who will say that it doesn't matter if you believe because these things exist and they can take over. In fact, somebody who doesn't believe might be more at risk because if they don't believe in demons, they don't believe in God, which means the demons are easier to get to them. Well, we're all about that's, different opinions. That's, yeah, that's yeah. all of different opinions. So everybody, that's what's fascinating about this is there can be so many thoughts on on what these are, what they are about, their their mode of of possession of different things. And but what is really cool is that there are examples of these beliefs throughout so many cultures throughout times. All of them. And is that the human need to try and explain things, especially when we didn't understand, or even now some of the things we don't understand? It was that our need to try and explain it to give a reason for what was happening. I would say yes, but also to try and give order, to try and give a sense of right and wrong amongst a civilization that was just kind of stuck here and still trying to figure things out themselves. Well, you say order. I mean, you look at the amount of work that went into the descriptions of. The seven rings of heaven, the seven layers of heaven, the nine rings of hell, uh, all the different tiers of these demons. That was a huge amount of work done over centuries by multiple people. Yeah, but also how much sacrifice went into building every single church on this planet. Exactly. And and by church, I don't just mean like Christian church. I mean place like of mosque, worship. Place of worship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the gold alone. Oh, yeah. Was all that gotten legit? 
like those people were paid for mining that gold or, you know, because some of these churches and places of worship go way back where, no, you or, had, we're going to say, people to get the gold for you that didn't have pay. Or they did it as a way of that was their contribution to show their devoutness might have happened. Who knows? The the other thing I found fascinating, I don't know if anyone was touched on this, was the belief like demons in in Christianity, demons are still controlled by God. (coughs) God still is, God allowed them when they fell. God allowed them to keep their powers rather than getting rid of them. God kept them, but he keeps, uh, Christianity maintains that God limits their powers and most demons can actually only be in one place at one time. They can't be in multiples, although Lucifer is said to be able yes. to do to do some of that. To be omnipresent, omnipresent yes. Yeah. And it's interesting. It was, God was using them as what the, what the old text says, God was using them as it was a temptation for humans so that they could find the right path. It was to, yeah. And in fact, even King James, King James said the demons acted under God as a rod of corruption. Yep. I, I Fascinating that these the beings thing, which we say are evil were actually used to help guide us in a way. The thing, yes. Well, um, it's, it's a balance, right? And, and the thing that I really found interesting is that uh, most demons would even bow when in the presence of Jesus. Yeah. So just part of the Trinity was enough for a demon to take a knee. So that kind of shows you the different. Well, you have to have the balance between good and evil. You can't just have good. You got to have the little bit. You got to have that balance. You can't can't have free choice without both. (coughs) Yeah. And that's what I primarily what I read too was that demons were said to be there still had had their powers that god allowed them to keep to because they're there for you know temptation and to to show that you know you take the good you take the bad you take them both and there you have the facts of life squirrel (laughs) (laughs) so it in that one it's kind of like could could we exist about without the ideas of demons were what the things that they they caused us to fear things so that we didn't do bad things or they showed us the proper path. I thought that was very interesting. It that one just caught me, you know. Well, we even talk about like your inner demons and we each have our own inner demon and our own inner struggle that we we fight with, which is the pull for the good and the evil to continue to still be on the right path of being a good person. Um and I think everybody has their own. It's all very specific to each person and what they handle and what they what you would call your demons, which is basically your intrusive inner thoughts. But in that particular expression, your inner demons, I've always felt that demons were more of a euphemism for your conscience. And your conscience is always weighing your options between good and evil. That's basically by definition what it is, and that's its job. So... Again, I think we're we're pulling a word in, um, which fits, but gives extra connotations to what we're really because it is a it it is a colloquial expression. Your inner demons, right? I'm fighting between to go left or right. You know, it's an inner demon, um, A or B option, A or B. 
so from that point of view, I would like to give that a little bit less weight, right? Um, as far as just those sayings, right? For me, though, where it really, really hits and the importance of religion when it comes to demons in whatever culture is if you are being impacted by a demon, the tool that's going to help you close the door or get rid of the demon or expel the demon from your life is going to be the one that you believe the most in, which is more than likely the religion you've been brought up with. Right? And very few people can really, you know, that whole Catholic saying, which is true for any religion, you know, you give me a child at an impressionable age in their mind for life, right? Thank you, Jesuit. But that whole thing lies. If you're raised in a particular faith or a particular belief system, you are going to find most comfort in that original belief system. Just like we can find it easiest to talk in English, right, about our basic language. So those iconography and those images and those words and, and such on and so forth are going to resound within us. Again, the action is with, it's in us to expel the demon. The element of the priest or anyone working with an exorcism is going to be in aiding you to close that door, right? To in giving you guidance through ritual, religious expression. But I think too, like talking about demons and talking about demonology, it's two different things. Because demonology is the study of the demons and how it's classified and all of that, and all the different religions where everything is done, everything comes from. Where when you're talking about demons themselves, it's it's different. Well, philosophical and practical science, yes. Good. So, now, I didn't know, like, I mean, we are talking, this is one heck of a rabbit hole. Like, it really is. It goes down so deep in so many areas. I found huge lists that listed off, like, 200 demons and their tiers and their their rankings, which were yeah. military-based. Yes. Like, sergeant, corporal, master at arms. Yeah, must have seen the same thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it was fascinating on that one <coughs> then i went back further and into a couple other religions and i i'm sure i'm going to be saying this one wrong so i apologize zoroastrianism so i have to admit i don't know if i'd ever heard of that before which is pretty sad because it's actually one of the oldest religions and dating back to uh before christianity and before islam and oh, before them both. Before them both. It's dating back to around like the, the 5th and 6th century uh, BCE. And it was founded in ancient Persia. And it's actually played a huge influence on uh, Judaism, got some from it, but it played a huge, huge influence on Christianity and Islam. And in Zoroastrianism, they had a creature they called Devas. Now, the Greeks and the the Greeks were fascinated with the Zoroastrians. They they found it a, a fascinating religion. So I've kind of wondered if their word daemon came from Davos. But the Davos were the Zoroastrians' uh, version of the demons, and they were spiritual beings that promoted chaos and disorder. Essentially, they were gods to be rejected, and their main one was Ahiraman, Ederman. Uh, the prince of evil spirits and it was their religion was based on on two main characters so there was like um the god of light and the god of dark and so he was the god of dark and 
he and the god of light or the lord of light were twins and the the fable or the story goes that he wanted so badly um this prince of evil he wanted so badly to rule the world world that he fought his way out of his mother's womb first before his twin could so that he could try and take over and it was he was equal to the god of light he wasn't considered lesser or greater but the two of them were equal good and evil working side by side in equality um it was believed that he created an army of davos whose job was to encourage immoral behavior and create problems and each of these davos was dedicated to a specific form of wrongdoing and they had their direct counterpart in the celestial angels of the lord of light and reading that, it's very similar to how Christianity put the the angels and the demons. It's, it's very much alike. And a lot of it is very much alike. It is. It, it fascinated me on that way. And in fact, Islam took the, it used the Davos in Zoroastrianism, and they created the, the they called them divs, which were Islam's evil ent- entities and spiritual beings. And they have... They're very much described as to what they look like. Huge bodies, giant heads, horns, tusk teeth, you know, very fascinating. Um, They also liked human flesh. Yummy. Yummy. I know. I know. Uh, They would, some would dress in armor. Some would use like sticks and stones as weapons. Uh, They could control magic and sorcery. But Zoroastrianism. Right, yeah. Christianity and Islam—I mean, Christianity and Islam—come from Judaism, and Judaism is actually strongly influenced by Zoroastrianism. And again, I know you might get hate email, right? But from a religious study point of view, all that that religion, Zoroastrianism, is also related into, right? Because there's key things about it, and one of the key things is is that it's the beginning of a world with monotheism. Yes. Right, um, and and that's why they're the all, only the two were gods, and the rest were lesser. Um, and and in that, it's key. It's very much like devils and angels. But yeah, it, that dwells into that <coughs> theme, runs concurrent into Judaism. Now, I only mean that from when I say they're related, from the point of view of that is what is believed under religious studies to be the birth of monotheism, which we see in Judaism, and grows in the same way. So, there is still, on a Christian link, still a link there, right? So, it's not surprising that it's oh, yeah. very similar. They're very, but it's interesting. For something which had so much influence, I'd never heard of it. And I love ancient history, so I'm kind of surprised I never heard of it. I think you brought it up in a conversation you and I had like nine years ago that, one yeah. time. And... But I'm, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the, and, and the first... When Judaism really started to define demons was actually in around the 5th and 6th century BCE after their Babylonian exile, which is around the time Zoroastrianism became really big. So you wonder if like, it's talked about that they got some, they were influenced by that, but it's very hard for any religion to exist within a bubble, like anything. We all I think you may have your dates wrong there. Persia no longer existed, right, at that in, point in time. Judaism is, follows Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism is considered dead ancient. Zoroastrianism. The earliest texts that they found on it are from the 6th century BCE. And then Judaism talks about how 
they the the study on demons um got more pronounced in the fifth and sixth century BCE. Now, and I, I'm going by the dates I read on uh, a couple different uh, sites, very, like very well sourced. So I don't really know too much. I know they just talked about these are when some of the bigger texts were known. So I don't know when the religion started or or. Anything and and like we're that. horrible at sourcing our stuff, like in general. But that's because this podcast is meant to be more of an opinion piece, right? So we're we're not trying to prove anything yeah. or really disprove anything. We're just sitting back and having a conversation about it. Yeah. That's all, right? The what's interesting is in Judaism, there's also a demon called the Leviathan. Same as in Christianity. Very interesting. And then the <coughs> their other big ones are Azaz, Azazel, um, Azazel. Okay. Sorry, I say bad. Uh, demon of the wilderness, and then Rahab, the demon of chaos, and then of course Lilith. I would say Azazel. Hmm. I would say Azazel. Azazel. Yeah. Either way, potato, potato. I potato, would potato. Yeah. Yeah. And remember, Leviathan goes all the way back to Greek. That is the serpent that is surrounding the earth. Is Leviathan? Might just be my love of the show Lucifer. That's all. <laughs> Well, like, I, I really do want to sit down and start going through all the different religions and comparing all the different gods and or higher powers and seeing where the correlations are, because I, obviously there's the huge correlation between Roman and Greek. Oh, yeah. All they did was, you know, change the name to protect the innocent. Oh. Ro- Rome, you know? <laughs> Rome just took from all different areas. That was what they did. That yeah. was how they assimilated everybody into the culture. That's so, how they like, worked. I would probably go back to the Greek, which is before it to get more of that side of the tale before I go see what other religions Rome has also taken. Now, you know? when when you talk about like a religion kind of taking, or I shouldn't say take, taking doesn't sound right, but absorbing from different cultures. Assimilating. Assimilating. Um, you know how we picture in Western society, we often picture the devil as this like horns, bull, hoof feet and that. That started appearing as Christianity started to spread, and they came across uh, cultures that had uh, bull gods. And, of course, paganism. paganism. As they came across paganism, the Christianity would take some of the pagan gods and represent them as demons because they saw to to the Christian missionaries, they saw these as these are gods who are trying to stray people from from the right yeah. path. So it was really incorporated that way. Yeah. They didn't believe, and it was a different belief, and so it must be wrong if it's a different belief. Yeah, yeah, I agree. How far are we at now? We're at forty three minutes. Do you guys have more? I well, I have lots. Oh, okay. so I Give found her. this website called The Collector, and uh, on the what I found is uh, I searched the four most famous demons in the Bible. Because I kind of went down the Christianity rabbit hole. Uh, and so on this website, it's called thecollector.com. Um, and it says they play a heavy role in the Bible. Demons play in uh, on the temptations of, of humankind. And they're once fallen angels. So this kind of all linked to all the other research I did. But he talked about, so they talked about four of them. And the first one was Satan um, or Lucifer, a.k.a. the devil. Uh, was once a beautiful angel, uh, defied God, and sub- subsequently uh, fell from grace. Lucifer was a creature of great beauty and wisdom, but became vain and boastful. 
After attempting to overthrow God with an assembled army of traitors, he was thrown into the earth where he became the prince of air briefly uh, before being cast into hell for continuing to cause trouble. Which I find very interesting because when you look at what the religion says demons are there for is they want everybody to follow suit. And so if you're not following suit, then this is what you must be. Well, the demons didn't want to follow suit anymore. Yeah. So then when they all fell, like, uh, I can't remember which one of you said it, but uh, they're there to cause the mischief to... In the temptation. To to help you learn things that you need to learn while you're here kind of thing. And not all of them are good. Not all of them are bad, right? Like, but yeah, sorry. Carry on. So the second one was Moloch or Moloch or Molech. And he was depicted as a half man, half bull, minotaur type figure with a belly made of fire. And he symbolized the darkest traits of mankind. Malik, I think. Is it Malik? Yeah. Uh, described as a terrifying warrior of the fallen angels. He is a symbol <laughs> of brawn over brains, hot headed demon with no regard for the sanctity of human life. The third was Legion, and Legion, it says, was a terrifying man in the Bible who had been possessed by many demons. Uh, he was a maniac who encountered Jesus and his disciples after crossing the Sea of Galilee. Described in the Bible as a man with an unclean spirit whose entire being had been taken over by the forces of evil. Abandoned, he abandoned his normal life, lived in a tomb with the dead, and inflicted harm on himself and others day and night. Uh, it says that he came into the across the path of Jesus, and Jesus asked the man, what is your name? Legion answers, my name is Legion, for we are many. Jesus apparently drives away the spirits from the man with a word, go. The demons leave the man and enter a herd of 2,000 pigs and fall to their death in the sea. Yeah. I remember that story. Uh, the fourth was Abaddon, described as the angel of a bottomless pit. And the king of a plague of locusts resembling horses with crowned human faces, long hair, wings, and a stinging tail, uh, obviously a fallen angel, uh, seems to occupy a curious position between good and evil, bringing judgment upon people in the name of God, but sides with Lucifer in the war against heaven. It It is so interesting. I do remember, as soon as you said... Legion, it kind of triggered something in my memory as to, I guess, a story I remember from Sunday school or something like that. Yeah. Um, but just fascinating how you can, haven't heard that one for years and I can remember that there. There's even a couple characters in Mortal Kombat that got a thing like that going well, on. What's What I also think is interesting is you look at how demons are represented in our media now. Like, they're... I've seen so many so many depictions of of Satan and different demons, and they're gorgeous. Like like they're handsome, they're beautiful. Well, the show Lucifer. Look at the oh, look at coming, like, exactly. Oh, like, good God. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. The I mean, you could go on forever about depictions in in popular culture on it, but it is it's kind of like it's evolution as it goes on. Whether or not everybody believes in them, we still kind of know what they are. We got some idea that okay, this demon is is supposed to be to bat be bad, and it's supposed to I don't know, supposed to take us on a different path or trying to. But without religion, you wouldn't have the angels and the demons. Yeah, and that was a big part, obviously, of demonology. When I was doing all my research, was that was a huge part, and like you can't have it without 
yeah, religion. You can't have one without the other. Exactly. I did take a look into. I found some also some interest like Buddhism. There are demons in Buddhism called the. Why do I not have the the name? Oh, okay, Buddhism. The Mara is the arch tempter, who along with his daughters Radhi, who is desire, Tana, who is restlessness, and Raja, who is pleasure, they tried to dissuade Buddha from achieving his enlightenment. The main goal of demons in Buddhism is to stop people from reaching nirvana. And um, which is their heaven? Which is their heaven? Yes. In China, they're called Geishen, Geishen, and they're seen in all aspects of nature. So they could be uh, a tree, they could be grass, they could be they're an animal. They're also known as kaiju. And the interesting thing, the Chinese believe okay. the demons avoid light, and therefore they use bonfires, firecrackers, torches to ward them off. It was a huge use of why they were using firecrackers was to ward off the demons. Now, I did try looking into the Japanese one, but I got to admit, there are so many different names for so many different creatures and, and, and spirits, and I got so confused going down the Japanese rabbit hole. It was amazing. Oh, Japan's oh. entities? Oh, have a and seat. They're, they're all, you know, depending on seat. one There's might so be many. from a, a spirit, depending on how one looks, depending on how one appears, depending, they're, I've seen they're it, all different types. I've seen it get right down to like specific thing, like the god of the yo-yo. Yeah, oh, exactly. And it's like, what? Yeah. Yeah, there's one. Yeah. Know? There's the one of love, passion, you know, those are two different ones. And it's like, what? I, I would love to understand more about it, but truthfully, I don't have 10 years to devote to it. To studying it because it is so complex and amazing. Right, I, the Japanese ninja. legends of demons and spirits are just mind blowing on it. They they are fascinating. <laughs> I'd really suggest people looking into them. You know, if you can do it, if your brain can handle it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of this is really mind bending stuff. Like if you really sit down and study it, um, we we haven't. Like I said, we we've hardly scratch the surface of how complex it is um how much more do we have everybody good anybody you got all your stuff done nance um, you got everything do you have more to say i guess the only other thing added was how in the middle ages demons were so closely linked to witchcraft in the western world yeah. That was something that became very big like malice malficarum started talking about it many of the grimoires started talking about it that it was a, they really looked on it as um, uh, taboo. As taboo. And it was, if you were a witch, anything to do with that, it was, you had a contract with well, a the, demon. Yeah, that's once demons had become, you know, evil through and through kind of thing. Or like the belief of a demon is evil through and through. Getting busy now. And, and it's interesting because that's also very, it's also influenced by Roman law, which is this idea of a contract. And that really influenced their belief with witches and demons was they felt that these, the witches had <coughs> formed a contract with the demons. So in part of my research, and that's interesting that you say about a contract. So part of the research talked about summoning and commanding. Now, I didn't really want to get oh, into you this. you do have more, yeah. I, I have like eight pages Eight pages. I went to town. Oh, okay. Well, keep going if you want. <laughs> um, 
And it talked about the two different kinds. <coughs> so, okay, so when it talks about summoning and commanding, it talks about Solomon, Solomonic magic, which is King, the King Solomon time. And it was said that he summoned demons to help him build his temple. And the reason, or what he, what came from his scripture was that each demon, like the angels, have a seal. And he was given a seal um, by the archangel Michael. Um, and he could command and, and summon, or he could, he could control any demon that he summoned with this seal that he was given by the archangel Michael to yeah. do whatever he wanted. Now, apparently every arch demon has a seal as well, but they don't want you to know what it is because it's their vulnerability Yeah, because then they can be controlled. But it talked about the two ways was one was evoking, which is just, verbal and calling and the other one was conjuring which is where you would enter a contract but with the conjuring it needed to be through magic spells and you would form a pact with the demon um it included using wands incense excuse me and daggers uh, drawing sigils and the seal of the demon is required um and i do not recommend dealing with any of that no but it was interesting when I went through all of this because there's so many grimoires and scriptures that talks about um, the different classifications and people like th they've all classified them differently. See, I, I have so much trouble remembering that word grimoire. I don't know why it's just maybe because it's a newer word to me that, you know, but yeah. You're I, saying it right. I like the word. I love the word. It, it's a yeah. great word, it, but like I haven't used it much it's 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 and for me it always makes me think of like i, I and there's Harry no reason Potter. why it will make to me it makes me think of the brothers grim and i oh, think of yeah. i think yeah. of the wonderful stories they told and then i think of a grimoire as telling other stories or but something. when you start saying grimoire i'm starting to think necronomicon oh the the necronomicon it's interesting the necronomicon really only came about as like it, it was meant as a it was a fiction um the first necro necronomicon it came across as a it was meant as a fiction in the <coughs> 1900s and but it was so well done it gained traction and then people started creating their own but the original one was actually just meant to be a fun book to read apparently in the middle ages they would talk about how when you worshiped a demon you would do black mass which was uh, the mass said backwards with an upside down crucifix on the altar. And we still retain a part of this in our popular culture when we say hocus pocus. Because hocus pocus is an abbreviated form of hoque corpe meum, meaning this is my body, which is used in the Eucharist. And it just shows how closely magic was linked with devil worship and demons. There you got, Nancy. Any more? You got good stuff? Yeah, I think I'm good. You don't want to go any further? Does it get scary? Uh, no, it just, there's just a lot of like, so I talked about the King James and how he classified. And then it talks about um, in the grimoire called the Lesser Key of Solomon, which was written by King Solomon, apparently. Um, he has the four kings instead, instead of the seven princes. Uh, and they are... So the four kings would command 72 powerful demons. So his hierarchy was a little bit different. 
Um, and he talks about the king of the north, which is Zim, Zimaniar. Uh, the king of the west, which is Corson. And there wasn't much of, of those, much, much research on that or information. But the king of the east is Ayamam. Amaman, Amaman, that's it, uh, which is Lord of Extreme Greed and Material, Materialism, and the King of the South, which was Gap, G-A-A-P, which his physical form is Charming, Human Prince of Nobility, and he was the Master of Liberal, liberal Arts. But it was just really interesting how all the different, different grimoires and different scriptures talk differently about how they classified the demons and so like colleen was saying it has taken what how many like ten thousands of years to try and classify at least like at least two or three thousand but yeah like all the scriptures that they would have to go through to collect all of this information and find to sit down and do this is insane oh yeah and and they got so intense and so deep in all these like describing even like like a demon that does the most mundane things the demon that makes you blink your eyes or something i'm treating that one up but they go from huge demons that do massive things to the really lesser known ones they really went deep when they created these grimoires a huge amount of manpower and man hours on these (coughs) so something else i found and it was written by um a monk Michael Salos and he, or Salos Salas. That's the hard thing that I the thing I had a hard time with was I decided to do a YouTube thing in video this time as opposed to reading. Yeah, I mean, and it was and like I don't know how to, to spell spelling. anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if I can't spell it, I it's can't like, read what, it. What is that phonically? Yeah, like uh, I, I'm. Pre- that's why it took me so long because I had to like you know skip forward ten seconds to like figure out how I'm gonna pronounce this. So he classified. Uh, the demons in six classifications. The most powerful was Lelirium, uh, and they were the most powerful of the six. And they could inhabit they inhabit the ether, which is beyond the moon. But they were the ones that were able to um, uh, control somebody mentally and do things that way. Um, then the next one was the aerial, and they were the demons of the air atmosphere. Uh, number three was terrestrial, and they reside on land. Marine obviously live in the water. Subterranean uh, live in caves deep in the earth. And Lucif. Can you read that? Lucifocus? Yeah. Lucifocus? They reside in the lowest area of hell and the lowest of the demons. And so it says the most powerful of the demons, which was the Lelirium. They could attack a person's mind where the weaker demons would just be attracted to a warm body. But I did, oh, okay. I did see where they talked about their demons, like the demon of the pantry, and yeah. the, the demon that was in charge of the bread. Yes. And you're like, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's you like draw a... an upside down cross on the bread while you bake it? And it's, it's like, and that made me think, you know, oh, you've even got it. Every demon has to have a title, even like the demon in charge of the bread. It's, but you to re- me, that showed how much the you... character of the demons are, that they need to have recognition. But if you think about it, you go back to the Greek gods, there was a god for everything. Oh, exactly. So that might just be the, okay, well, we got to convert everything over to a single story, so let's do it that way. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're at an hour, ladies and gentlemen. We good? Sure. Everybody happy? All righty. We're good. Thank you for joining us on this All October Halloween podcast. Don't forget to check out the Mystery Matt 
Facebook fan club page, whatever the heck it's called. I usually put the podcast there and extra uh, media. So whether or not it's photos or videos or extra sound bites, uh, be sure to check that out. We also have a buy me a coffee account. I think there's a button somewhere and you guys take it easy. And don't summon any demons. (laughs) 